This podcast is a proud member of the That Moment In Podcast Network. Check out the network at thatmomentin.com. Podcast. We're down to the last few days of our 31 days of horror Halloween extravaganza that's going on. And for the past month, I've been doing reviews of movies that I like. Pretty positive reviews all around every time I post uh, an episode on here. It's always been a praise about a movie. But for this episode, I want to give you my thoughts on some horror movies that I did not love so much. And a lot of these, at least a few of these, maybe one of these is going to be controversial because I know a lot of people really liked this movie, but I was disappointed. I'm not going to uh, tiptoe through any glass shards here. Uh, It's a quiet place. I'm going to say that right now. I think this is one of the most overrated horror films of uh, 2018. Uh, Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm going to shut right now. I'll play a quick ad and then I'll share my thoughts. In a quiet place, if they hear you, they hunt you. A Quiet Place is the most original and scariest movie in years. And now it's 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Rated PG-13. Welcome back, everyone. Um, so it seems that like after Jordan Peele won for Get Out last year, another television comic is taken to the helm as director to create this next big horror feature. That man is John Krasinski, who is best known for playing Jim in the U.S. series The Office. Uh, he teams up with creators Scott Beck and Brian Woods, and Krasinski crafts a movie that has a great premise but fails in its storytelling. So the setup for A Quiet Place is very simple. Alien creatures have been killing the world population by hunting their prey by the sound they make. Lee Abbott, played by John Krasinski, along with his wife, Evelyn, played by real-life wife, Emily Blunt, uh, they have survived for years with their children. Daughter, Reagan, is played by Millicent Simmons, and their son, Marcus, is played by Noah Dupe. The family has another kid early in the picture, but he might as well have been wearing a red shirt from Star Trek because he is taken out in the first five minutes. Now, this is not a spoiler because they showed it in the trailers, plus what he and Raiden do is pretty stupid, and I'm sorry this is going to sound cruel, but he kind of deserved what he got. But hey, it gives us our first kill, and you can't really have a horror film without a kill right away. Uh, Cut to many months later, uh, the family is trying to get by. Raiden is upset about the death of her little brother. Uh, Leah spent many hours sound-proofing their home and working on ways to find a weakness for the creature. Now, I gotta say, it was really cool to see a movie released in major theaters that is subtitled for at least 45 minutes of its 90-minute runtime. I like that Krasinski had his cast do this and did create some sort of device where they could speak to each other. It was also very clever how they used natural things in nature to hide their voices and carry on conversations with each other as well. There is some good sound design that works, but it's the usual tropes that happen in every horror feature. Wait till everything is quiet, and then have a big noise to shake everything up. In the movie, we learn that Evelyn is having another baby. This is nothing more than a lazy plot device 
to find excuses to bring tension to the story. I find it hard to believe that this couple would be so stupid as to bring in another life into this kind of world. Before you say things to me like, well, when you're in love with someone, you'll find ways to make it work, and she was feeling so heartbroken with the death of her son, she wanted something to fill that void. Stop it, stop that nonsense. These creatures hunt you down by the sound you make. What do babies do at least 75% of the day? I know, I know I'm exaggerating there, but they cry. And although Evelyn and Lee take precautions to damper the sounds, the, the, there are just way too many times the baby is used as a device for the creature to hunt so we can feel sympathy for the family, and I'm sorry, but I just don't. Uh, there is a bit of tension between Lee and Raiden that is never fully explored and is lazily resolved without any real explanation. They don't even spend much time together. There is a scene in the beginning when she asks if she can go with them, and he declines. They don't meet up until the end, where they have a small reconciliation. The acting is good, but there was no build-up, so I really don't care. A Quiet Place has moments where it sets up that something eventually bad will happen, and it has the random jump-scare moments. To be fair, there are moments that surprise me, but just because you make a person jump once doesn't mean they are going to do it again. When I rewatch Jaws, I always jump when the head appears, and those that have seen the movie know what I'm talking about. Even though I know where that scene is, I don't know what's going to happen. That moment always makes me jump. A lot of modern filmmakers don't know how to build suspense. And just like Jaws, it would have been better if we never saw these creatures, or what they looked like, until the very end. It would have also been better if I cared anything about this family. I know nothing about who they are as a unit. None of them have any defined characteristics, and if I'm going to spend time with them, I should want to care about the safety, but I didn't in this one. I think John Krasinski is a good director, and he does a fine job with the cast, but the story alone should have been a 30-minute short. The movie Don't Breathe that came out a few years ago was a way better version of the same story. So I'd idea of A Quiet Place, two stars out of five, really kind of weak. I don't understand how this movie is getting just so much big praise. Um, we all know that Rotten Tomatoes is a big pile of shit, and so you can't really judge a movie based on the ratings because they don't know what the F they're talking about. But anyways, folks, that's going to end up with this episode of the Cinema Recalls. Terror Tuesdays talking about A Quiet Place. Please tell me your thoughts about this. You can actually go on to the site, thatmomentin.com, and read my full review of this. But I would like to know what you thought about this. Did you find it to work for you or not? I probably just lost a good portion of my listening audience by saying bad things about A Quiet Place. And sorry, not sorry. I, just not for me, folks. Uh, the next movie I'm going to look at is another horror feature that has gotten a lot of praise in the community, and I wasn't a fan of it either. And that movie is The Devil's Candy. Yeah, I'm, like I said, let's go ahead and just play a quick ad, and then I'll get into my thoughts. We've come to the place where we joke about the idea of the devil. But that is Satan's lie to distract us from the reality of who he is. What's going on? It's like it flowed through me. I don't remember painting this. This is mommy and daddy's house. They're dead. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I need to come home now. We are his pawns. We are his demons on earth. He uses us to carry out his unspeakable deeds. 
satiate his hunger. Your latest work is... Alright, so The Devil's Candy is a 2015 horror movie written and directed by Sean Byrne. And the story is about this family who move into a new home where the previous tenants were involved in a horrific tragedy. When the father begins hearing strange dynamic voices, he puts the lives of his family and himself in major danger. Now, this is a movie that I have seen on a lot of horror critics lists, alright, and it's one I was interested in watching based on the reviews I read. Its premise seemed like a retread of other dynamic possession movies and haunted house movies that I have seen before, but I am still willing to give it a shot. And I gotta say, my results are as not as positive as my peers. So in the prologue, we meet Raymond Smile, he's played by Prout Taylor Vince, an older man who is seen playing guitar to avoid hearing the voices of the devil in his head. After his mother makes him unplug it, the voices get stronger and he kills her. Cut to the following year, the house is now sold to this new family. We got the father Jesse, played by Ethan Embry. Uh, he's this like struggling painter, and while trying to finish a project for like this bank, Jesse begins to hear the same voices as Raymond did, and he starts painting these horrific satanic imagery. Some that even show his daughter Zoe, played by Kiara Glasgow, being burned alive. As the voices grow more stronger and stronger, Jesse becomes more detached from his family. Meanwhile, Ray who has been given into the voices more, begins killing young kids to appease, I believe it's just Master Satan right there? This is where the story lost me, folks. So, I wanna know, why wasn't Ray being monitored more closely? It is clear that he is not a well-adjusted individual. After the death of his mother, I never understood why he was allowed to roam as free as he did. Even if it was deemed as an accident, I still feel that there should have been much more suspicion on his part. Especially when he is in stores, buying cans of gasoline and layers, okay? Now, I get that he's the one who at first wants to help the family, which explains why he gives Zoe his guitar, but the explanation of the death of his mother just being an accident, and that's why he was never convicted and even questioned, never sat well with me. The story of the father being isolated while also ignoring his family has been done several times before, it does take a slightly different approach with its ending, unlike other movies about possession, but the rest of the first half of the movie is just paid by nervous storytelling. I would rather have the daughter be the main character and have her find out that she is the Devil's Candy. For me, it would have a bit more weight than the latter, alright? The Devil's Candy is directed by Sean Byrne, and he is best known to horror fans for directing the movie The Loved Ones. Now, that is a movie where I liked the performances from the cast, but I wasn't a fan of the story, and that's how I feel about The Devil's Candy. Um, I think the cast in this is just fine, and there are some really good performances from Prude Taylor Vince and Ethan Embry. I just, didn't, I just didn't find any of the story engaging. While it may have moments that are shocking, the rest of it is it's, it's rather quite bland. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to have to give The Devil's Candy out of 5 stars. I'm going to give it just 2. And I'm being generous with that one, folks, here, too. Yeah, it's just, just, it's just standard. It's, it's not as shocking or dangerous and one crit said it's like they made a movie that listened to what the devil is really like and it's like all right it just talks about the evil of men and yeah two stars on that one folks and now i just lost pretty much another 25 percent of my listening audience for saying bad things about the devil's candy and again sorry if you hate the review but I'm not sorry for giving you my opinions, alright? So, before I 
piss off any more people. Let's play uh, quick ad spots from some great podcast shows that I really like and think that you should all check out. And then I'll be back with uh, my final review of this episode of Bad Apples. All right, stay tuned. We'll return after these messages. Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is a Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. Hi guys, I'm Dean. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the IMDb Journey Podcast. Where we break down every movie from the top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. But when we're not doing that, we also battle other podcasts in various movie-related games of trivia and drafts. We also give quick reviews about every other film we've watched as well. Yeah, here we're quite good too. Yeah, if you guys don't believe us, why don't you listen to these genuine testimonies? Oh, hey guys, you guys are really good. I love your chemistry. Oh, hey, Brew. It's, uh, this is a this is a good podcast, yo. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, love the banter, guys. Keep it up. I'm DB Jenny is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fantastic testimonies. Oh, thanks, guys. Absolutely genuine and real. <laughs> And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well, go ahead and search for IMDb Journey. You can find us on all your favorite podcast sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So come along and join our journey. Welcome back, everyone, to Cinema Recall. Thank you very much for checking out those ads. Our final feature is going to be on the movie Bad Apples. Here's a trailer. I'll be back. Now, you may be used to certain teaching methods back where you're from. This is a very particular town. We have to watch these kids closer than ever before. These kids, they're dangerous. They're dangerous now. I'm sure I'll do just fine. There's somebody at the door. Of course there is. It's Halloween. Alright, so Bad Apples is a 2018 horror movie about two young girls who terrorize a woman all alone on Halloween. So, the only nice thing I have to say about this movie is that I like the masks that these two killers wear. There's no reason as to why they need to even wear one because the cops in this town either don't exist or they don't care, but they are kind of cool even though they are clearly ripping off ideas of a much better home invasion movie called The Strangers, they're still kind of cool. Alright, so in the beginning of this movie, a pregnant woman is stabbed a bunch of times in her home by a man I thought was just a random assailant. She dies, but the babies somehow survive. Cut to several years later, the two girls are all grown up, and they are, of course, sexual killers. 
why did the movie need to start like this? I don't know, you could have easily shown them leaving the home of one of the last victims and then show them heading to school. Why did we need to see this bat story right from the start? I don't know. Also, how long have these girls been wearing those masks? It seems like they have always worn them and yet this is the one time they are going to kill the principal for making them remove it. I'll get into other issues I have with our two killers, but for now, let's take a look at our two main characters. Oops, I I'm sorry, I, I mean victims. So B. Grant and Grimstripper, they play this couple who have recently moved into a new neighborhood. She's a teacher, and he works at a hospital, and that's really it for their character developments. There's a small scene that lazily explains that they lost a baby, which I will talk about later, but for right now, it does get set up that he has to work late on Halloween at the hospital and she will be stuck at home alone. Perfect recipe for any horror movie. As mentioned earlier, there is a scene where our two psychos kill their principal. Afterwards I asked, why were they not arrested right away? Even if no one saw them do it, it wouldn't take too long to know that they are the ones that did it. And since I'm pretty sure that they are registered at the school, it wouldn't take long to find them either. Not only that, but they seem to have no problems going from one place to the next, killing people, and then escaping without being discovered at all. It's not like they try to be quiet with any of their crimes. They just do them and we're supposed to think that they are unstoppable. No, it's because they have the blind luck to live in a town with no cops. This leads me to a moment when one of our main characters does something really stupid. And I expect this of horror films, especially low-budget independent features, but not like this. L let me set the scene for you, okay? So at the hospital, the husband notices that the patient that was admitted was his next-door neighbor. Now, this guy has, like, multiple stab wounds, which made him concerned, obviously. Earlier, his wife called, and he just mistook them as nothing more than her worrying about nothing. Now he has something to worry about. As he goes to leave, he is stopped by his boss, and what should have followed would be a very short response, a sentence at most, explaining that you know he's very worried about his wife. What does he do? He explains for over five minutes how him and his wife lost their child early on in their relationship. While he is telling the story, our two ladies who want to be Slipknot Estras have entered the home of the wife and are now terrorizing her. Alright, why do we need to have a five minute exposition scene? Stupid doesn't need to be in there. Now, I am not going to ruin the ending, even though there really is nothing to ruin. What happens next is your standard victim trying to outsmart the killer scenario, succeeding at some moments while failing at others. There is no tension or build up to any scares. Never once was I cheering for the victim to escape or for the girls to even capture her. I was just waiting for it to end. There's one thing I did like about Bad Apples, and that is just one cool effect towards the end. Alright, so our crazy killers turn one of their victims into a jack-o'-lantern, and they do that by carving a face in the victim's stomach. It's the only effect of the movie that surprised me, and I was a little bit grossed out by it. And 
that is a good thing for a horror movie. And my, I tip my hat to the offense people. Brilliant job. Bad Apples borrows a lot from many other horror movies that it doesn't feel like an homage. It's straight up theft, alright? Yeah, zero stars out of five. This is a horrible, horrible movie. Uh, yeah, I can't say anything good about it except maybe some of the fest teams right there. Yeah, skip it. If you want Home Invasion, uh, watch uh, The Strangers, watch Funny Games, watch them, but anything but this movie. Whew. Well, after I just got done annihilating on behalf of my listened audience, I hope you still come back to our episodes. We got, I think I'm going to do just one more episode for our uh, 31 days of Halloween horror extravaganza. I'm getting tired, folks. This was a long month of doing these. Um, big, you know, there's a lot of great people on social media and whatnot that have been supporting the show. And I'm going to start trying to plug more people as I get to episodes in December. Uh, but just a small thanks go out to Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Great folks. Follow them on Twitter at MM and Oscar. Uh, gotta say, check out uh, the Colby, Colby podcast, uh, hosted by Colby Mack. He can be found on Twitter at Colby Tolby. Uh, gotta say a shout out to Chris from Let's Chat Podcast. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. Um, Ryan Terry, he's been a guest on a few episodes. Shout out to him. You can find him at RLTerry1. Um, want to say a shout out to the folks from the Movie Drone podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Movie Drone. Uh, want to say a shout out to M from the Verbal Diorama podcast. Really great show. Check her out. She's on Twitter at Verbal Diorama. Um, yeah, I I know there's a lot more people here that I'm probably forgetting about, and I apologize immensely. That's going to wrap up this episode. Do not forget, we'll be back later on this week to do one more uh, Halloween episode. As always, you can find our episodes via Anchor and on Stitcher and on Google Podcast and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, most places you can find podcasts. Follow us on social media apps. We are on Twitter at cinema underscore recall and then on Facebook and on Instagram, Cinema Recall Podcast. And don't forget, to, oh, we're also on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, just type in Cinema Recall. Uh, it's nothing fancy, I just post a few reviews. I had a short review of The Nightingale, the new movie from Jennifer Kent, which is now streaming on Hulu, so check that out. And as always, email us, cinemarecall at gmail.com. Send us those ad spots and we'll play them on upcoming episodes. That's it right now for me. I am The Vern. I will see you all later. Goodbye.